apologize. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. It's your weekly dose of all things geeky. Class is paying 101. The instructor's Casey Jones. Movies, comic books, movies based on comic books. Excelsior! Video games, toys, TV shows. Professional wrestling. It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> All the things you got made fun of for in high school. Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't start some shit? So grab your action figures, bag and board your comics, and roll for initiative. It's time to talk nerdy to me. Hello there. Welcome to an all new episode of Talk Nerdy 2 Electric Boogaloo. I am your favorite host, Obi John Kenobi. Uh, hoping everyone's having a great uh, self-imposed quarantine. We have a lean, mean fighting machine of a show for you this week. We have cut all the fat. Uh, it is all thriller, no filler. This week is just myself and the man who keeps the nerd and taught nerdy to me, the man who knows the difference between an alpha quadrant and a gamma quadrant, Commander Scott. Well, you know, th- those are those are easy. It's just a four-plane Cartesian coordinate system. You know, you start in the lower left and you go counterclockwise around with, you know, alpha, beta, delta, gamma. It's, it's not that difficult. Yep, alpha, grab a donut. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a fun show, kids. Uh, it's also going to be fairly short, so we're recording a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, we are practicing safe social distancing, as Uncle Andy would want us to. We are recording via Discord and a weird patchwork quilt of recording programs. Uh, we've had some technical issues already. It seems to be working fine now, knock on wood, salt over the shoulder, uh, uh, sacrifice a small virgin. Um Hopefully it'll keep working, uh, but this episode might be a little bit slimmer, and by that I mean shorter than normal, just so we can get through this without having some more technical difficulties. Uh, hopefully we'll get it all ironed out by next week, and you can have your full hour and a half of awesomeness. But, uh, Scott, how are you doing? I am well. Uh, I haven't left my house in 85 days. Uh, so you were quarantining before the government uh, gave you the order to you? You were just sitting at home? Wait, wait, we were ordered to do this? Oh, boy, here we go. It's, it's, there will be blood all over again. Oh. <laughs> There's a throwback to you, long-time listeners. Uh, yeah, so everyone's dealing with uh, the, the, the shitty Mexican beer virus, um, and hopefully everyone's doing well. Hopefully we can provide you guys with a little bit of uh, escapism. Uh, if you're trapped inside and can't leave your house, uh, haven't been to work or to hang out with friends, Hopefully you can throw this show on and feel like you're just having a conversation with your buddies. Uh, hopefully we can uh, make you laugh and uh, frustrate you to the point that you're yelling at your uh, whatever device you're listening to this on for how much of an idiot we all are. Uh, I know. Um, yeah, that would, be, that would be the goal. You know, if yeah. they're, they're yelling back at us. That would. That's, yes. that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> I'm a, I'm on the total Andy Kaufman camp. I don't care if you love me or hate me. As long as I get a reaction out of you, I did my job. <laughs> Uh, I know Travis already uh, <laughs> texted me about last week. Uh, we had a filler episode last week. It was our uh, road trip episode uh, where we talked about road movies, and apparently we didn't mention planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, so he was very upset about that. So sorry, Travis. You should have been there. Uh, but that was then. This is now. Let's get on with it. Um, first topic, 
so since no one can leave the house to go yep. socialize, a lot of people are starting to dust off the old gaming console, uh, renew that PlayStation uh, Network subscription or the Xbox Live subscription, and uh, gaming online has become a way a lot of people are socializing. Um, and we here, all of us at the show, actually ended up spending most of our past weekend, this this, this last weekend, uh, playing a free 48-hour trial of Predator Hunting Ground. Yes, um, yes. It was very fun. So yeah, that's what I was going to say. What, uh, we're going to go through real quick because the game comes out in a few weeks. Um, so what did you like? What didn't you like? And do you recommend picking it up? Um, Scott, what did you like and what didn't you like? Okay. Yeah, there we go. Uh, you, you, you cut out on me there again there for yeah, a second. Yeah, so uh, your likes and dislikes so, from the game. Likes and dislikes. Overall, that was it was a good game. It was, it was very fun. I, I think... Uh, for the game, and I, I think they still got some uh, a bit of uh, uh, development and polish to put on it, but it seemed very well balanced. Um, you you never had any real downtime in the game. Uh, both sides was fun. Uh, like when we play Friday the Thirteenth, I really don't care to play Jason, but in this one, I like playing Predator equally as much as I like playing the Fire Team. Um, uh, one of my biggest complaints though was as predator, uh, if you, if you tried to, you know, do the, the, the full trophy kill, you still got, uh, you still take damage while you're in the middle of the animatic and it just was not worth it at all. So, yeah, it's, it's got some flaws. I think overall they did a pretty good job of keeping it balanced. Um, oh, if you've never are. heard of the game, uh, a quick rundown, it's an asymmetrical multiplayer, which is a fancy way of saying it's four on one. Um, so five people play at any one time, four are a fire team, basically playing a light version of Call of Duty where you're carrying out tasks and missions. Um, oh, excuse me. And then one player is the predator whose job is to kill everybody. Um, it's really fun. Very much like you said, uh, from Ilfon at the same company who did Friday the 13th. And you can definitely see that in like the, uh, the home menu and some of the, the, uh, mechanics of the game working you can definitely tell they've done this before uh, but overall i think they've balanced things fairly well uh the fire team if they stick together and catch the predator on the ground can completely overwhelm the predator but if the predator is uh you know has gotten good as the gamers are want to say uh, if, if you're utilizing your weapons and, and your skill set properly you can split the team up a bit you can pick them off uh one by one and it's a lot of fun Definitely has some issues though. Um, server load times were we didn't have any terrible load times, uh, but people were reporting outside. Yeah, people were reporting like fifteen to twenty minute load times uh, wow. when it first went online. Um, so hopefully they'll have that patched up and fixed uh, before it launches. Um, my other big complaint uh, or dislike was the map variety. Uh, the whole first day we had one map the entire time. Um, I think that was because we were in a private match. So when we started playing public matches, there were three maps. Yeah, but I feel that was a byproduct of, of the demo and not indicative of the full game when it does come out. I really hope that's the case. I mean, the three maps we got were cool. Um, there's enough variety within those maps to to make it not feel like it's necessarily the same thing every time. But hopefully there's more than just the three maps. Uh, they're fairly, fairly big maps, too. So, uh, but yeah, that may have just been a demo thing. Uh, and then, like you said, I had my, my other dislike was the predator kills. Um, <clears throat> first of all, like you said, 
So when you're playing as the predator, you can down players using your your energy weapons and things like that. But to actually get credit for the kill, you have to go in and collect a trophy off of the body. Um, and when you go to do that, there's a quick trophy option or a longer cinematic option. Problem is, when you're in the cinematic, you can still you as the predator are locked into that uh, pre-programmed animation. But the fire team can sit there and wail on you uh, and do gobs of damage while you're waiting for the animation to carry out. Yeah, uh, you're completely helpless in, in those in those uh, those cinematics, and it was it was bad. It was it was horrible. Yeah, I really hope they'd go back to something a little bit more like Friday the Thirteenth, where uh, once you've started a kill, you can be knocked out of it. Uh, you know, so if I've grabbed a person, you know, if I've grabbed a person, and I'm about to go in for a trophy, and I get you know shot, I'll drop them or something like that. Um, and then the trade-off being not taking damage, like it should be one or the other. Either I can't take damage because I'm locked into this, uh, and I get what they're trying to do is, is they don't want you in the middle of a battlefield stopping to do a trophy kill because that doesn't make sense. I get that to a degree, but uh, that was one tweak I, I'd like to see him make a little bit. Um, um, yeah, yeah no, it was, it was overall, it was very love, love the, uh, um, uh, the, the heat vision for, for predator. It was, it was yeah. really good. My, my biggest complaint on that is uh, every time I was in heat vision, uh, I never could tell if I was cloaked or not. And half the time I thought I was cloaked, I come out of, come out of heat vision and I'm like, hey, I'm very visible right now. This is <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a steep learning. So like I said, if you're playing the fire team, it's essentially Call of Duty. And the controls are very Call of Duty-esque. Like you, you'll pick them up in no time. Playing as the Predator, I feel, is the selling point of the game. And that is really like you, you need to do the tutorial. You need to spend some time with it. It's a steep learning curve. Uh, and I think we, we all noticed that uh, playing as a fire team on Friday evening versus playing as a fire team on Sunday evening, big difference in the quality of Predators. Uh, oh, yeah. There were a lot more teams getting killed on Sunday evening once people had gotten better gear and had gotten used to controllers than early on. Yeah, Friday evening, I mean, uh, I was almost not even worrying about uh, the Predator most of the time. You know, you mm. see him say, oh, hey, he's here. Um, okay, so who do I get to kill next? Where's my next target? And then Sunday, it's like, oh, crap, he's here. He's already found us. So yeah, it, was, it was definitely yeah. the day. Uh, well, I w- and I Sorry. will say one thing I did like about it. Uh, loads of customization of life, both for Fireteam or Predator. Tons of gear. Um, tons of ways to to make your character feel like it's yours. There's different classes for both um, Fireteam and Predator. We only got to play one class of Predator in the trial. Uh, which is sort of like the, their their general purpose class, the hunter. Uh, we didn't get to try berserk or I think it's scout. <clears throat> um, but there's also uh, three or four for the fire team. Um, so the, I think the trial went well. I think it did its job in that it gave people a taste of what they could get in the full game. Um, so final judgment: Are you buying it? Oh yes, most definitely. Uh, that's that's an easy one. Uh, same here. I uh, as soon as I get my paycheck tomorrow, I will be getting the digital download uh, deluxe edition. Um, see, uh, I didn't see anything in the deluxe edition that makes me want to, you know, 
pay the extra, was it $20, $25 for the deluxe edition. It was just some early access to stuff, which means I'm going to get it anyway. It's going to be a little bit patient. Uh, a couple of exclusive outfits. I'm not big on outfits. It's just It's not worth extra money to me. And there, there's some art book options, but they're digital downloads. And I'm sorry, I'm never going to you know, pop onto my computer and say, hey, let me fire up that digital art book and, and stuff. So, uh, to me, I'm not going to be getting the deluxe edition. I'm in the exact opposite camp. I love... Uh, so, yeah, so the difference is the regular game is thirty nine ninety nine. The deluxe is fifty nine ninety nine. so it's $20 difference. Um, you get early access to the classic 87 Predator skin and Old Painless, which I already know from playing the trial, I'm never going to use. Old Painless is the giant minigun, and it looks awesome, and it sounds cool, and it's completely impractical, and it'll get you killed. <laughs> um, but you also get a bunch of... So there's um, an exclusive skin for the Predator for PlayStation only. There's an exclusive... Uh, I think it's an Assault player skin. Uh, yeah, it's all yeah. cosmetic stuff, and then some early unlocks. Uh, the art book, I don't care about. Uh, the 48 hours double XP. Is going to be cool, um, but it, and for me, I don't tend to go in for like the deluxe version of games. Like when I went in uh, to pre-order um, the Avengers game, they asked me which version I wanted to get, and I was like, "Well, how many are there?" Goes, "Well, there's three. I'm like, "Oh God!" Uh, I was like, "What are the differences?" <laughs> uh, and it's like, "Well, the whatever was Super Mega Deluxe Edition comes with a statue and a night, you know, the blueprints for Iron." man armor and blah blah like yeah i don't need any of that shit uh just give me the game uh like is there like a mid-level like maybe i get some exclusive skins or something uh, that's kind of how i look at it um because it's only a 20 dollar difference um you know most games are 59.99 uh, anyway if it was something like 70 80 bucks uh, yeah no not forget it yeah, the, uh, the only time i've ever gone in for a deluxe edition of the game was for call of duty modern warfare uh, because it, it it came with actual night vision goggles. Yeah, and, I remember that. And I went into the store. I went into the store to pre-order it, and uh, uh, they asked me if I'd be interested. And I said, "Well, you know, I've got some time. I, I could probably do it. It's definitely interesting." I said, "What kind of uh, night vision goggles are they?" And the the clerk's like, "Oh, they're they're great. They're they're real. You know, and you put them on and mm-hmm. let you see in the dark." And I'm like, "No, I, I understand the concept." But I mean, are they, are they, are they, are we talking generation one, generation two, generation three night vision? Is it monocular, binocular? Uh, I assume it doesn't use the radioactive core because that would just be stupid for general public use. But what, what level of tech are we talking about here? And I, I met with this blank stare. <laughs> from the I feel like you should be used to that stare by now, Scott. <laughs> Finally, I'm just like, you know what? Never mind. Just. Let's do it. <laughs> that that story perfectly sums up Scott Cox, and I love it because uh, you were, went completely over their head with all of your technical questions. But that's why we love you, Scott. Um, yeah, no, the, there's for a while it was kind of cool, but like I think it was the second Batman game, you got like a batarang, a replica, and some stuff. I used to go in for some of those things. Um, I've got the Fallout Four that came with a Pit Boy. Because at that point you couldn't like go out to a costume store and buy one, uh, but now I'm at the point where like yeah, I don't need a statue of Captain America uh, or you know any other random stuff that comes with. I, I don't need that. Just I need the game. Uh, but yeah. 
if you, you know, hey, for 10 bucks more, you can get like an extra costume and a couple new guns or something. I'll plop down for that. Uh, I did that for, for Strange Brigade. I went in for the uh, deluxe edition so I could get the extra skins and add on weapons and stuff like that. Uh, and that's basically what I'm doing for Predator is, is I just like, I like being able to go in and totally customize my character. And if it's going to give me some more options that I can't get later on down the road, I have to get them through this. Okay, cool. No, no, two inches out. That's a, yeah. And so again, for forty bucks, uh, again, other than missing out on a couple of skins, uh, you're not going to be really missing much from the deluxe edition. Uh, for forty bucks, I think you're more than getting your money's worth. Especially right now, when no one's going to be able to leave the house, uh, we're all going to be online playing <laughs> games. So now is the perfect time to jump in on that. Uh, so yeah, anything else yeah. to say about Predator? Other than I wish the demo hadn't ended, we could still play, but, you know. I jumped on today just out of curiosity. Because uh, yeah. someone, I, I was in a message, someone said, if you go into a private game just yourself and start the private match just yourself as the Predator, you can basically run around the entire map and just kill NPCs as the Predator. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try that because I was off work today. So I went in to try that. Um, you can log on. It just brings you to the the pre order now page. That's all that's uh, left. That's, that's all that's left. Yeah. Trial is over. Pre order a game here. Yeah. Yeah. Please play our game. Please buy our game. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I really feel like uh, they got. Hopefully, they got a lot of positive feedback on it. I was really hoping maybe yeah. they'd bump the release of it, um, especially if there's a digital download version, like. Nothing holding you back, guys. Just put it out. Yeah, yeah. I'll buy it. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's no strategic tabletop curling, but you know what is? <laughs> we can't all be strategic tabletop curling. Oh, uh, all right. So there you go. Uh, Predator hunting grounds. We had fun. Go pick it up, and because uh, I'm pretty sure everyone on this show is going to be getting a copy. Uh, I am all about doing at some point down the road a, a play with us kind of thing where people can uh, give us their gamer tags and come play around and work out your frustrations of hating your hosts by slaughtering us as a predator. Uh, that'd be cool. That would be nice, yeah. But we're going to move on uh, from one group of aliens to another. Um, so like, it's been kind of hard coming up with topics for the show that don't revolve around the fucking coronavirus. So I was very pleased a couple weeks ago when a much circulated fan casting rumor turned out to be true. I'm talking about Rosario Dawson officially cast in Mandalorian season two as none other than Ahsoka Tano. Before we jump too far ahead, thoughts about this casting? Well, personally, I'm, I'm not thrilled. Ooh, hot take. Not thrilled. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I love Rosario Dawson. Uh, okay. And uh, uh, I've seen a lot of the, uh, the 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 fan projected images of her. You know. Oh yeah. What she looks everywhere like. now. Yeah. And they they look great. They really do. And I, I have no doubt she will do a fine job. But I'm a Trekkie, and Trekkie likes the Trekkie in me likes canon, and and, and I want I want the voice actress. Ashley Eckstein. Yeah. That's who I want. I, I think she can do it. I think she would be just fine as live action Ahsoka. Uh, cause my that fear is my is, very next bullet point. Yep. Well, because my fear is 
you know, she's going to look great and she, she's going to deliver a great performance, but the personality is not going to be there. She's not going to be Ahsoka. I'm kind of six and one half dozen in the other on this. Uh, I'm with you. I think Rosario Dawson will be great as the character. And if the timeline uh, where I think it is, is we're going to be seeing an older version of Ahsoka anyway. Yeah. Um, so Rosario Dawson playing an older aged version, you know, because her as like a 20 something year old Ahsoka, I'm not sure that would work as well. Um, so yeah, I have no doubt she can, she can nail this role. Um, but yeah, the only person who's ever been Ahsoka up to this point is Ashley Eckstein, who has voiced the character since day one on Clone Wars. And yeah. again, I'm kind of torn because and here's my only thing holding me back. I don't think Ashley has the physicality to actually play the character on screen. Now, granted, Ahsoka's not some like towering giant person, but yeah, um... I, I think Ashley's maybe like 5'2". Yeah, I think they could get rid of it. Uh, I mean, I mean, you had you had Matt Smith playing uh, uh, Prince Philip in The Crown, and they are like he comes up to Prince Philip's belly button in real life. You know, <laughs> trust me, you can get around. Okay, okay, okay. Fair point. Fair point. I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. Uh, you know, it's it's. And Ashley Axing did put out a a um, statement saying. Uh, she doesn't know anything. You know, she, she, she's an actress. She gets paid for the stuff she does. She's not a creative behind the scenes person, so she doesn't know about it. But there's, but there's been a big outpouring in fans of, again, no offense to Rosario Dawson, but like you're not Ahsoka, exactly. Uh, and the the, I think the saving grace in all of this, and the 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 caveat that'll get us all through this is, this is Dave Filoni's casting choice. Dave Filoni literally created the character of Ahsoka. Yes, Dave Filoni is great. Uh, so, if, Dave Filoni be with you. <laughs> in Filoni we trust. Uh, <laughs> so if if he's backing Rosario Dawson, then I'm all for it. There's also been rumors, and again, I don't know how true this is, uh, that they may still have Ashley Eckstein come in and voice over uh, the character. Mm. I, I kind of don't think that's going to happen. I don't think you hire Rosario Dawson to dub over her. Uh, unless she's just like super down with it and doesn't care, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're not talking about Ray Park here. It's just <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ray Park who never gets to speak in his own movies in his contract. Uh, he had to speak in X Men. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure they dubbed that. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, they didn't. I'm just saying that. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's not his real voice. He doesn't sound like that. I heard him in uh, episode one. He doesn't sound like. Uh huh. He had a cold that day. Yeah, that must have been it. Um, so, okay. That in and of itself is cool. A lot of fans are very excited about that. Uh, for for the, I'm more excited for not necessarily who is playing the character, but for the simple fact that not only is uh, Ahsoka Tano making the jump from animated to live action, some of the artwork that's leaked out online also leads us to think that Rex maybe making that same jump. Uh, yeah. Another beloved fan character from the yep. cartoon world. And, and we, we know, we know from Dave Filoni himself that, that Rex has been confirmed uh, on Endor yep. uh, during, you know, at the, during return, return of the Jedi at the, the, the battle of Endor. Yep. Uh, and so we know he was alive uh, as of then. 
So, he was so still, assuming he survived the Battle of Endor, he's still alive and kicking. Exactly. Yeah. So that being said, uh, topic two B or not to be. <laughs> ah, there it is. What other expanded universe characters would you like to see make the jump to live action? Uh, we can go as far down the rabbit hole as you want with this. If you want to like suggest who you think should play it or where, how they should show up, I don't care. Uh, we'll get we'll get nerdy with it. Um, Scott, I'll give you the first shot. Any expanded universe character you'd like to see make the jump to live action? Well, first of all, I'm I'm going to uh, I'm I'm just going to stick with Rex for a second because you know hopefully if the artwork is holding true and Rex does appear. Uh, once again, the Star Trek canon and me, they better have, uh, you know, what's his name from, uh, Clone Wars, uh, Django, and I can't remember the actor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they they better have him playing Rex. Mm, I mean, with a already, white beard? Yes. Shave his head, give him a white beard. Now, he won't sound like Rex, because I, I think the voice actor in Clone Wars and Rebels has given him some, you know, more personality than we've mm-hmm. seen of clones on live action, but, uh, we, he's already, he's already played the character live action. He's played clones, you know? So that's who it is. Uh, as far as, uh, as far as other characters that I would love to, to see brought in, uh, if, uh, if Filoni is, is revisiting this stuff, uh, I really hope the next time we see Grand Admiral Thrawn, uh, he is, uh, uh he's live action. Now there is a can of worms to get into. Yeah. Uh, originally introduced in the novels from the 90s. That yes. was tossed out with the great uh, the great Star Wars legend Purge of the 2014. Great Purge, yes. uh, and then was brought back into canon on Star Wars Rebels. And then his fate left very much a giant question mark at the end of that show. Yeah, uh, I feel like well, Filoni has we... plans for him. I I feel like that's a t-shirt I need. Is Filoni has plans? I just need that as a t-shirt. <laughs> just nothing but that. I don't think he does anything accidentally, and that's why I love him. Um, and if he does, he's just really good at covering it up. Yeah. But I feel like there's just no wasted moves uh, <laughs> with Filoni if he introduces the character. It's for a purpose. Uh, if if they are left open ended as to what happened to them, it's for a reason. Um, and and most of my characters fall under that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Rex coming back is awesome. I love especially Ahsoka and Rex together. I love that. Uh, I love anything that puts those characters back together again because watching them in the Clone Wars is really cool. And getting to see Dave Filoni take his his baby of of Clone Wars and. Not only is it finally getting the attention it deserves because everybody can watch on Disney Plus now, um, but to see those characters start to take the forefront of Star Wars and not just be fun little add-on tidbits that the hardcore fans know, but making it now sort of like essential Star Wars viewing. Yeah, I love that. And now that it's finally live action, uh, there's so many people I know who are like, "Yeah, I don't want this. This cartoon doesn't count." It's like, no, uh, it, it does. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, it does. <laughs> The cartoons are better than some. A lot of the movies. I'll go on that and say it. Uh, well, you know, and, the, and 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 the scene that I want to see, and no one's done an artistic rendering of this yet, and I don't know why. Because somebody, if anybody out there is listening and is a, a, a decent artist, the scene that I want to see is the is is a couple of days after the Battle of Endor, 
with Ahsoka and Rex visiting Vader's funeral pyre or the ash remnants thereof after the battle is done. That's what that'd be an awesome. Yeah, that would be an amazing. Just uh, yeah, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about how you could do that. You wouldn't even have to have any dialogue. Yeah, just just you're on end or pan down from the wreckage to that funeral pyre. You know, hooded figure walks up, take the hood off. You just see the back of Ahsoka. Yep. Cue music. Cut to credits. Yeah. Well, and then Rex steps out from behind a tree or something. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Ahsoka takes the hood off, and why did you call me here? And turns to you know left or right, or whatever. Then the camera pans, and yeah. we see Rex yeah. in the uh, the jungle fatigue it's, outfit. Yeah. Good to see you too, Commander. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. We can hope. We can hope. <laughs> that is that's a, so again. Mandalorian takes place post Return of the Jedi, but pre Force Awakens, which is a very very untapped uh, era in Star Wars. I mean, they're they're filling it in uh, with novels and comics and things, but uh, Mando is your your big resource for bridging the gap, the thirty year gap between those. And yeah. we know from the end of Rebels, Ahsoka is still alive, uh, and Rex is still alive. Uh, but what happened to them? Why we don't see them pop up at all in the uh, sequel trilogy? Uh, we hear Ahsoka's voice at the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker, so. People assuming she's dead and has become one with the Force. Maybe, I, maybe I, not. I don't I know. Thought, I thought Filoni cleared that up that it wasn't necessarily. Yeah, that you know necessarily she's not. That does not definitively conclude her death at that time. Questions left to be answered. Uh, I love Filoni, but Filoni had nothing to do with that movie. So yeah, we'll yeah. Uh, Filoni's great at cleaning up other people's messes. He is very much so. Uh, so the first one I'm going to jump on is another character from Wars um, that I think would fit perfectly into Mandalorian because they're possibly the most badass bounty hunter ever created in Star Wars uh, with his giant hat and his blue skin and oh, his yeah. respirator. Cad Bane is perfect to make an appearance on Mandalorian as either a rival bounty hunter or just like throw him in the background of a cantina somewhere. Just you know, put him in there. Uh, obviously, I'll, I'd like to see him have more than a cameo. But yeah, uh, so, yeah, no. yeah. Uh, Cad yeah. Bane, his history, he came into the Clone Wars. Uh, he was the second best bounty hunter in the universe, and then uh, Boba Fett got knocked off, and now, or uh, sorry, Jango Fett got knocked off, and, <laughs> and now he's number one. Um, he's a guy who has constantly gone toe to toe and held the ground against Jedi. Uh, he's he's pulled off some of the biggest heists and ballsiest uh, kidnappings in the galaxy. Um, he is based on Lee Van Cleef from the Man with No Name trilogy. Mm-hmm. If you know who I'm talking about, that should tell you how badass this character is to begin with. Uh, only he's a Star Wars alien with blue skin and a weird respirator thing. Um, he kind of ends up becoming sort of a mentor to young Boba Fett. Um, but because Clone Wars got uh, its its plug pulled, uh, Filoni never really got the chance to give the character a send off. Um, I well, believe we'll in canon he's still alive, only because they didn't get to do an episode where they killed him. I believe there was yeah. one written where him and Boba Fett have a, um, a quick draw shootout. Uh, and I believe it was supposed to be Boba Fett kills him, but that's where Boba gets the dent in his helmet. It's from Cad Bane. Uh-huh. But that episode never made it to air. So, 
Yeah, I would love to see Cad Bane. Cad Bane was a great character. He's also visually really interesting. Um, yeah. And that's like, for me, that's what Star Wars... I love Mando, uh, but the first season was a lot of muted colors and stuff like that, which I get. They're going for that more grounded kind of tone for Star Wars, but he would be a nice, fresh pop of alien weirdness and badassery. So, And the fact that when he gets a chance, if he doesn't have his hat, he goes out of his way to obtain a hat. Yes. Man needs a hat. And he has maybe the biggest hat I've ever seen. You know, I make fun of Kurt Russell's hat in the thing. Big floppy hat. But, uh, <laughs> no, this is a huge hat. Cad Bane's hat is ridiculous, yet somehow <laughs> badass on him. So. It, is, it was very good. Um, well, you know, if if we're bringing if we're bringing Cad Bane into mm-hmm. Mando, uh, mm-hmm. you, you've got to bookend Cad Bane uh, with someone on the other end of the spectrum. We've we've got to have the flip side of the Cad Bane coin, and that's okay. Hondo. God, number, I love two, Hondo. number two on my list. Yep. I love Hondo. Hondo's one of Hondo my Odaka. Hondo is great. I mean, he's just, he's the consummate con artist. Uh, he smuggles some on the side. I guess you mm-hmm. can call him a smuggler, but he's more of an opportunistic cad, even though cad's actually the name of cad. <laughs> he's an actual cad. <laughs> You're getting technical out now. No, I love, love Hondo. Hondo is great. And I really loved, I mean, he, he was used in Clone Wars, but he really came into his own in Rebels, uh, I thought. And, and even though he wears a turtle shell for a hat, I don't get that, or whatever the hell that thing was. But yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't question Cad or uh, <laughs> Hondo's the style. You go with it. Um, we're introduced to him, I believe. He's a, a, a um, hold on. He's a pirate king when we first meet him because he's basically got this gang that essentially controls an entire territory of space. Uh, when we yes. first meet him in, I think it was uh, yes. Clone Wars. Uh, and then he, like several other characters, made the jump to Rebels where he became, again, a really odd, reluctant mentor uh, to Ezra. Yep. The two of them had a really interesting dynamic. But yeah, he's he's very much reminiscent of Lando in that in in the span of 20 seconds, you will go from loving him and laughing at a, a joke he made to wanting to punch him in the face and but still loving him enough that you don't want to see him die. <laughs> uh, he's he's that perfect combo, uh, uh, equal parts charm and uh, 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 just slime. Uh, he's he's very much out for number one, which is Hondo. Uh, and if you can help him out, he's your best friend. And if you're in his way, yeah, yeah, make it, new friends. It, it happens. Uh, but he's he's unique uh, among many Star Wars characters because so again he he started on Clone Wars, made the jump to Rebels. Several characters can make that claim. However, Hondo is already kind of. A live action character. Okay. If if uh, you're lucky enough to go to Galaxy's Edge, uh, yeah. either California or Florida, the ride Smuggler's Run, where you get mm-hmm. to pilot the Millennium Falcon, uh, the person who is currently in possession of the Falcon for the story of that ride is Hondo Onaka. 
Oh, hell. Really? So when you are going into your, uh, you're walking through the cargo bay to get on the ship and you get your briefing, Hondo is the one hiring you to pull a job with the Falcon. (laughs) How did he get a hold of it? I don't know. I haven't been on the ride and I'm trying not to watch videos. I don't want to spoil the ride before I get a chance to go to it, uh, hopefully in October. But there is a full on, uh, I forget what the model is, but it's uh, Disney's newest, most advanced animatronic. There's a full on full-sized animatronic Hondo Onaka that gives you your briefing. Oh, shit. So it is... He is kind of in live action. They just haven't filmed him yet. Um, Uh, And it's the same voice actor from the show, too. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that voice actor does a great job with that. But, so, speaking of, since we're on this subject anyway, I've seen things uh, pop up on my feed. I never click on them, because I try to avoid clickbait. Where apparently people have reported, or the the uh, the story reports to have quote unquote hacked the smugglers run thing, where you get Chewbacca as your co-pilot. I don't. Do you know anything about things? I don't know what that means. I can confirm <coughs> uh, without spoiling it. There is a quote unquote hack. Um, if you <clears throat> punch in a certain sequence of buttons before the ride starts, rather than having Hondo instruct you during the ride mm. it will be Chewbacca but he's speaking Wookiee ah. so you're just going to hear Chewie growling and yelling at you while you destroy the Falcon Okay. Um, now supposedly this is just the first quote unquote hack that people have discovered uh, mm. one of the programmers on the ride said there are several more programmed in this is just the first one people have stumbled across Oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, but you can, yeah, you can look up. Um, there's a great YouTube channel called Ordinary Adventures. Uh, it, it's this couple uh, that basically just go to the park all the time and post videos about what they do. Uh, basically, like you get to feel like you're you're tagging along on a trip to the parks. Um, but they're there for all the um, the festivals that Epcot has when new rides open up, things like that. Um, yeah. Peter's the guy that started the channel. He runs uh, the website Slash Film, so he's, he's got some connections. Uh, but anyway. They had a whole episode about trying the hack and does it work? And yes, it does work. And they'll show you how to do it. Uh, but they do recommend if it's your first time on the ride, do not try the hack. Because uh, <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing, if you can't chewy speak growling, yeah, chewy growling at you is not going to be any help. <laughs> well, I don't that know. Is, now, that I, now that I know it's Honda is your standard, you know, co-pilot mm-hmm, or whatever mm-hmm. on that ride. It kind of makes me do it more. Love Honda, love Honda. Yeah. So, anyway. um, yeah, no, total agreement on there. I, I again, and again, if we're if we're sticking with the people who could fit into the world of Mandalorian for future seasons, because I'm assuming that's what the excuse me, the future of Star Wars is going to be for the next couple of years is TV, not necessarily big movies. Yeah. Both Cad Bane and Hondo fit into that world, no problem. Like Easy. they already live in that world. Uh, my next choice is going to be a little more off the wall. I don't know if you've got one first. Um, go ahead. I've, I've got one. Okay. okay. Mine's probably going to be more off the wall than yours. I, okay. I don't think we're going to see this character in live action simply because there are rumors of another cartoon series coming out. And part of me thinks this character will be a big part of that. If it's true, this is another Dave Filoni invention. Um, I absolutely love Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. Uh, in great particular, series. 
<laughs> in particular, I love the cowboy Jedi that is Canon Jarrus. Uh, yeah. If you ever, if you ever wondered what Malcolm Reynolds would be like if he was a Jedi, there you go. Very much. Uh, and I have to say, when, without any spoilers, any real spoilers, Kanan Jarrus had an awesome exit yes. from Rebels at yes. the end of that series. Also, one of my favorite lightsabers of all time. Um, so, but my choice is not actually Kanan Jarrus. No. Oh, okay. I would love it, to see Freddie Prince Jr. play that character in real life. I think he could uh, pull it off easily. Is it Kanan Jarrus's ponytail? <laughs> uh, that would have to be an entire CGI character. So, oh, okay. Uh, that's enough. Um, no, you're, you're close. Uh, again, Kanan exits the show at a certain point, but he leaves a little something behind. Um, so, slight spoiler, if you haven't finished Rebels, I'm going to ruin something from the very last episode. Kanan has a relationship with Hera that, according to a scene at the end of Rebels, produces an offspring, Jason, J-A-C-E-N, Syndulla. The green-haired, half-human, half-twilight? Maybe, maybe not Force-sensitive? As far as I know, that, that one shot of the kid sitting in the ghost is the only appearance that character has ever made. Yeah. However, given the timeline we're in now, he'd be in his teens, twenties, whatever. By the time this happens, well, he'd be he'd be, he'd be in his probably yeah early, maybe mid twenties because I think Mando takes place what two years, four years after the fall of the Empire, mm-hmm. somewhere in that time frame. So, and the and Rebels is just just the formation of the. Rebel Alliance. So yeah, because it, uh, it so, starts. Well, it ends a year before a New Hope. Right. So it's it's five years between a New Hope and, and Empire. A few months between Empire and Jedi. This is four years after that. So he'd be ten. So yeah, probably around sixteen. Yeah, you could fudge it and say teens. Uh, yeah. So again, the perfect age for a coming-of-age story about a young Jedi in a world we don't know a whole lot about. Uh, I just think that character has a lot of potential uh, just because it, it, it touches back to beloved characters from the cartoons um, who is a perfect fit for this this 30-year gap that we don't know about. Uh, obviously, um, Ray is supposed to be the, the awakening of the Force again, but the Force didn't just go dormant for 30 years. That's not how it works. We also know Luke was out there during this time period putting together a Jedi Academy. Jason Sindula would be a perfect applicant for the Luke's Jedi Academy. Uh, I just think there's tons of story opportunities you could, uh, to tell with that this character. Um, and it'd be cool to see that done in live action. Uh, but there are rumors persistent that there will be some kind of Rebels follow-up series. Uh, I don't know what it'll be called, uh, but if that's the if that's the case, again, Dave Filoni doesn't do things by accident. I don't think he would just throw that character in for a shot just because, hey, it'll be fun. I'm sure he's got ideas for that character. So, um, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I, I would I would watch that, of course. That would be nice. I actually forgot about uh, uh, Jason Sindula. Forgot all about him. Again, other than that one shot at the end of Rebels, I don't think he appears anywhere. Uh, in like comics or novels or anything, at least at least at the time of this recording. Yeah, um, so he's he's a giant open tapestry, blank <laughs> canvas area. Cool, cool. All right, well, get weird, Coxie. What do you got? Well, 
Okay, so I'm I'm going. This is this is a character we've. Well, I'm gonna say characters. One of which we've sort of seen in live action, but the rest we have not, and we've not even seen them on screen in any shape, form, or fashion. Because, because, um, while these characters would not fit very well into the Mandalorian. They would fit very well into the era the Mandalorian is currently set, which is like like I said, two to four years post Jedi, and mm-hmm. which we know is uh, prior to the Battle of Jakku, which is the the final the final nail in the coffin for the uh, uh, for the Imperial Remnant. So the Imperial Remnant is still out there. The New Republic is founding. Uh, I think this would be a, a great time since Mando has done so well for another live action series. And I would really love to see the uh, the Star Wars X-Wing Rogue Squadron novel series Ooh. adapted to a live-action series. You've got Wedge Antilles leading Rogue Squadron. Once again, this this mm-hmm. might need to be changed a bit, or because I don't know if the actor would agree to do a series and he'd have to be de-aged for the, for the most of it. That might be expensive, so we might have to... Probably recast. Yeah, um, but you know the he's not the primary character. The primary character is uh, a young, sensitive pilot uh, named Corin Horn. Um, okay, and also uh, you have Wedge Antilles' XO squad during this series was a character named named Tycho Kelchu, uh, who is the battle hardened, grizzled war veteran pilot drill sergeant, you know, like um, think, uh, what's his name? Sergeant Major Plumley from uh, We Were Solar, yeah, We Were Soldiers, played by uh, Sam Elliott. Okay. Uh, and he is the pilot that was flying the A-Wing that followed the Falcon into the second Death Star. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that was him. So, like I said, technically we've kind of seen him on screen, but he's never named on screen, and there's nothing currently in canning tying canon tying that character to that name but we know that they they use characters and story pieces you know from the old expanded universe into the new stuff uh you had a a great casting of pilots in that series uh if you've not read these books there's 10 of them and i highly suggest you do uh they gave us all the the some really great pilot lingo you know for dealing with the empire such as calling uh you know the TIE Fighters, they called them eyeballs. The uh, the TIE Interceptors, they called them squints. Uh, so, yeah, that that I would love to see as a live-action series would be Rogue Squadron. I'll even go one step further, and um, I forget the character's name, but um, so Poe Dameron, one of our new heroes from the sequel uh, trilogy, his mother was an X-Wing pilot during the Rebellion. Yes. Make her a member of Rogue Squad. Now yeah. you can bridge the gap between sequels. That would be nice. You could even throw in a young Poe as a kid. That would be awesome. I would love to see, see that. I'd, I'd have no problems adding the character as a member of Rogue Squadron. Because that's one thing that I liked with Michael Stackpole's um, uh, series, is as you go through the books, uh, they lose and pick up new members of Rogue Squadron. So, with the exception of Tycho and Corrin, and I think one or two others who are staples, the squadron runs through other members. There you go. So, yeah, that was uh, 
that was one of my go tos whenever you were whenever we had this topic come up. Was, that would be a cool yeah. show. Uh, I know Jason show all about our next wing squadron. Because uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many awesome pilots throughout Star Wars, uh, and and the dogfighting in Star Wars has always been a great draw. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of dogfighting in space, you know. It's that thing that makes no scientific sense and doesn't work, but it's cool, so shut up. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, I'd love to see something. Uh, I can't remember the name of the TV show. There was an old World War II show about a group of pilots that I cannot remember the name of. Black Sheep Squadron? There you go. Yeah, yeah that, but with Star Wars. That'd be awesome. Basically, yes, that, but with Star Wars. Hell yeah. That would be awesome. So... All right. Um, exactly. I mean, I've got some honorable mentions. Uh, Chopper, uh, the best droid. Did, didn't we already see Chopper? Should definitely make more than one. He's already made a live action. He has made it. He's, he's got a cameo in Rogue One, but that's not enough, man. I want full on uh, Chopper as a character somewhere. Uh, you know, if you're going to bring Jason Sindula in, maybe he's got his, uh, his mom and dad's mm-hmm. droid buddy with him. Uh, and of course, if you're going to bring back an old school Rebels member, um, I want to see old man Zeb. Old man Zeb. Uh, you know, however you work it in, I just love Zeb as a character. Um, again, there's talk of a Rebels sequel show, and I imagine the surviving Rebels characters will all be on it. Um, so I love to see that. And then one character that I don't think we know what the hell happens to her, but which should definitely make an appearance on a show called The Mandalorian, <laughs> Sabine Wren. Uh, yeah. A, a, a one-time uh, uh, the Darksaber um, who helped unite the clans during, you know, right before the, uh, the, the, the Rebellion versus the Empire. Um, yeah, would really love to see what the hell she's up to. Yeah, I have a feeling that we're gonna see Sabine at the end of season two of Rebels, just like we, just like the Dark Saber makes uh, the appearance uh, at the end of season one. I think we're you, gonna end season two with Sabine. Season two of Mando. What did I say? She said season two of Rebels. Well, she was in the end of season two Rebels. Too. She, she was. She was very much. In, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't saying you were wrong. I was just trying to clarify. <laughs> no, Mando, Mando. I meant Mando. Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. Uh, I mean, if the show is going to start to move on, if they're going to use the dark saber as their MacGuffin, which God, please do that. Um, I'd watch that. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I mean, this, this saber has, has made its way through and I love, I'm gonna get nerdy. So the dark saber literally was created. It, it was a off the hand comment by George Lucas. They wanted to give the Mando um, in uh, the clone wars who ran, Death Watch. Uh, yeah, I don't remember his name offhand, but yeah. Ah, it's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't think. Uh, anyway, um, they wanted to give him a melee weapon that could hold up to a lightsaber because they wanted to have him fight Obi Wan Kenobi one on one. And originally, it was supposed to be a vibroblade, which is the the you know in universe. Hey, this isn't as good as a lightsaber, but it can kind of stand up to a lightsaber weapon. Um, and it was George Lucas who said, "No, just give him uh, give him some kind of lightsaber." Uh, make it, make it, yeah, uh, make it weird or make it unique or something like that. Uh, was was the yeah? Um, so they made a black bladed lightsaber, and it, it made it, its appearance on that show out of nowhere with no explanation, no history, um, and then kind of disappeared for a while until 
Um, Darth Maul got his hands on it. Uh, It was was one of those Easter eggs that, you know, Dave Filoni ended up being the one who created it. So Dave Filoni kept bringing it back because it was cool. And over time, it became this mythical thing. You know, I was when I'm explaining, I I tell people the the quick down and dirty of what's Darksaber. It's Excalibur of Star Wars. Uh, It's this mythical one of a kind weapon handed down through generations to uh, the person who's going to rule. Uh, You know, it is it's gotten it's a it's snowballed all this great mythology around it uh that was you know really just originally just hey this guy needs a weapon to fight a guy with a lightsaber with that's that's how it came to be and then it snowballed into this uh but because the lore is still being unveiled to us it's still really interesting because we don't know there's still giant gaps in the history of where did it come from what is it made of uh why is the blade so different uh, well, so. uh, you know, speaking of characters that need some kind of a treatment, and, and not mm-hmm. necessarily live action or cartoon, but with the advent of uh, you know the High Republic and going back, uh, what is it, a thousand years? The High Republic. I believe so. Uh, going back that far, you'd be right, right in the middle of when um, the the Mandalorian Jedi who created the dark saber. You could definitely tell his story either in novel or comic form. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, again, Dave doesn't do things on accident. I feel like he's got, and I'm not saying he has like everything you know to the letter planned out, but I feel like he's got a notion of of he knows those answers. He knows the big answers. Um, so I'm just interested to see how and where they're going to be revealed to us because he's also really good at um, keeping you keeping it uh, keep maintaining your your attention and interest and giving you just enough to keep watching um but not giving you everything all at once i mean for how many years was he asked is ahsoka alive is ahsoka alive is ahsoka alive and his only response was (laughs) just a little smile and he'd show up at uh, star wars celebration wearing ahsoka lives t-shirts and people be like, "What does this mean?" He goes, "Oh, I thought it was a cool T-shirt. I thought I wear it here." Like he's he loves to tease fans like that, but he's got a plan, I think. So, uh, anyway, super long-winded way of saying uh, yes, that would be awesome to see Sabine um, come in tracking down the dark saber. I agree, and I think it's yeah, I mean, some Mando at some point has got to reclaim that because again, well, that, that's a symbol of leadership for the Mandalorian culture and a freaking imperial officers carrying it yeah and right now the biggest thing for me <laughs> that i'm looking forward to i don't know if we'll get it in season two or not but i i, I really need them to clarify this whole uh can never take the helmet off discrepancy to me <laughs> yeah uh that's something i talked to a lot of people about because if you watch clone wars and rebels Mandalorian they take their helmets off all the, they had their helmets off more than wrong yeah, somewhere between that and Mando, it became never take your helmet off. So w- when did that change and why? Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I hope in general. That. I hope. Sorry. No, let's go ahead. Uh, it's, in general, I hope Mandalorian season two goes a because they they introduced this idea of Mandalorians are not a race; they're uh, a culture, uh, which is an interesting idea. Um, but now you got to flesh that out, man. You got to <laughs> fill in some gaps. Well, so there was a, there was an old expanded universe uh, book series about the Mandalorians, uh, and it had the whole philosophy of you know 
that the Mandalorians were actually an, an extinct race, that there were no live Mandalorians anymore. And the current Mandalorians were uh, adhered to a creed. And if you adhered to the, you know, if you lived as a Mandalorian, you were a Mandalorian. Uh, and I know there were, when, uh, when the Clone Wars, <coughs> excuse me, when the Clone Wars episodes on Mandalore, uh, uh, first came out and, you know, the, the, core government of Mandalore at the time was pacifists. Mm-hmm. And the fans of those book series, I mean, they were pissed. Uh, I never read those books personally, so I don't know the full history of those books. But I have a feeling uh, maybe somewhere locked in in that source material could be the answers that are getting okay. ported back in. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Uh, rumor is Season two will start in October. Yeah. Hopefully, we don't have to wait too long. Anyway, any that's other? Right. Yeah. No, okay. okay. Well, that's we'll, we'll jump on then. So, um, <clears throat> that's who we like to see make the jump to live action for Star Wars. Uh, we're going to cast our net a little bit wider for the final topic today. Uh, so, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano, which is the thing that kind of every story this week is kind of skewing off of. <laughs> Except for the predator game thing, um, that so long before it was announced that yes, this is happening, and the reason a lot of people didn't believe that story at first is because for months before that, there had been a uh, not like a petition, but there had been this this sort of surging fan. Uh, somebody somewhere put out, "Hey, wouldn't Rosario Dawson be cool as Ahsoka Tano in real life?" And that kind of caught fire on the internet. Uh, with fans sort of uh, starting the like the hashtag campaign uh, to to get that noticed. Um, so, with that in the back of our minds, of hey, sometimes maybe Hollywood casting directors or, or producers or whatever do listen to fans when they say, "Hey, this person should play this character. That'd be really cool." Uh, that with that in mind, what are some other fan casting choices that you think would actually be kind of awesome? Because there's a ton of them out there, uh, and some of them are better than others. Uh, but I thought it'd be cool just to run through, not necessarily Star Wars, but just any fan casting uh, that you think, yeah, that would be cool and that should happen. In all honesty, on this one, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not familiar enough. Because I don't, I don't like look at <laughs> that stuff. Okay, uh, you know, as far as what fans are saying, because piss me off. Um, That's fair. So when I saw the topic, uh, I, I, I kind of thought of things that I've always wanted to see as far okay. as, you know, fan, my, my own personal fan casting. Uh, and, and this one uh, actually harkens back to the late 90s era because he's a bit older now. I think he could still play the character, but he'd have to play an okay. older version of the character. Okay. Um, but Cyclops from X-Men. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the the nineties costume. You know, we had the the, you know, the 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 open mask with the hair. Yeah, you know, the, the older leader Cyclops. I always wanted to see Scott Bakula as Cyclops. Oh. I always thought he would make a good Cyclops. I'll watch Captain Archer do anything. <laughs> uh, no, that could be interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm really curious to see what uh, Marvel's plans are for the X Men. Uh, no reason at all. You couldn't start with your classic X Men being older characters and kind of transitioning to the younger group anyway. And yeah. uh, 
that might be a way to do it where you've still got, you know, your Wolverines and your Jean Greys, and, but they're not maybe front and center as much. So, yeah, that could be cool. Um, so the first one I've got, and, and we're, we're not going to see you on this one. Uh, it's everywhere on the internet, and God damn, I hope it's true. Um, we know, again, like the X-Men, the Fantastic Four are at some point going to get incorporated into the MCU now that Marvel has all their toys back. Okay, almost all their toys back. Um, John Krasinski, uh, you probably know him as Jim from The Office, but he's yep. also the current um, Jack uh, Ryan on uh, the Amazon series. Uh, he's been doing some... He's uh, directed Quiet Place and The Quiet Place 2, which should be out in theaters right now. Um, fantastic director, fantastic actor. Uh, the rumor, and not rumor, but the, the, the fan casting choice for, for a while now has been John Krasinski as Reed Richards from The Fantastic Four. I think it'd be awesome. Yes, uh, I like that one. Well, and that one, that's one of the few that I have actually seen. I would be all for that. I think he's uh, got... Go ahead. Well, I, I'm not I'm not an office, so I've never I really watched The Office. I've seen an episode here and there. Mm-hmm. But watching him in The Office, you know, and then, of course, uh, I liked the first season of the Jack Ryan series. I think he's got the range necessary to play uh, Reed. Uh, because one of the things with Reed is he, he has to be able to go from geeky nerd science guy to actual uh, boots-on-the-ground leader mm-hmm. in, in the same story. I think I think he can actually pull that off quite well. Yeah, uh, he's he's definitely got. He's also absent-minded. He's a guy who gets completely wrapped up in his work and ignores the entire world around him, except for what he's working on, uh, which is where a lot of his personal uh, problems come from, um, yeah. especially with his wife, who I'm going to fan cast in a minute. Um, but I, I think he can. I think John Krasinski can play that character very that that type of character very well uh who's who's kind of absent-minded but all but not in like a a incompetent way i guess i should say yeah um yeah i think he'd be great um and then of course if you're gonna cast that you gotta cast the rest of fantastic four i'm not gonna cast all of them but if you're gonna cast john kaczynski and if you're gonna go with the 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 first family of marvel then you definitely want to have uh sue storm or Sue Richards, whatever version you want, uh, his his love interest, girlfriend, wife, uh, because you want them to be a family. If you're going to cast someone to play the wife of John Krasinski, you might as well cast his real wife, Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'd be great in the role. I think they could handle playing a married couple. Call it a hunch. Uh, but she's also a fantastic... Oh, there you go, I said it. She's also a great actress uh, who can <laughs> handle that role very well. Um, she flip flops with being a blonde and a brunette anyway, so she's perfect for Sue. Um, also, both of these characters, both of these actors, were almost already in the MCU. Uh, John Krasinski was literally on deck to be Captain America uh, when <laughs> Chris Evans. If Chris Evans had said no, John Krasinski was the guy. Uh, and wow. Emily Blunt, if I remember correctly, flat out was offered the role of Black Widow. And I think turned it down because she was pregnant with her first child. I think uh, I didn't relook up the story to get it wrong, but I think that's what happened is she, she got pregnant and, and had to pass on it. Uh, so they were both almost already in the MCU. Bring them back as a, as a package deal. Um, well, 
we're going to with things that we'd love to see in the MCU. I still want to see Nathan as Wonder Man. I know we've been teased. <laughs> Damn it, I still want to see it. <laughs> yeah, well, and there was supposed to be sort of a an Easter egg cameo in Guardian Two, and that didn't really come to fruition. Um. There's like the theater outside of the town that's getting taken over by the giant space blob. Uh, that's supposed to be having a what's Wonder Man's real name? Uh, Simon Williams. Yeah, it has a, it's having a Simon Williams marathon. Yeah, so all the posters are for fake movies he's starred in. Uh, but if you didn't, if I didn't already know that from internet stuff, I would never, from watching that movie, have picked up on that. So, yeah, that would be awesome. Um. No. Uh, since we're talking, Nathan Fillion. No. no. Hello. Did I lose you again? No, I'm here. Okay. Okay. Um, now I know he'll be playing everyone's favorite character, Arm Fall Off Man in Suicide Squad. Not making that up. Huh? Yep. Not making that up. They gave James Gunn a Suicide Squad movie. So yes. Nathan Fillion's in it, and he's playing Arm Fall Off Man. Huh? As great of a character as that is, I know everyone loves the character, uh, but I would love to see, and this is something that has been on the internet for probably a decade plus at this point, um, but Nathan Fillion has never been, is in maybe the best shape he's ever been in on his show, The Rookie, right now. Um, he's he's Nathan Fillion. He's never lost yeah, it's still on. Uh, he's, he's never lost that charm. Uh, uh, we will always love him as our captain. So why not make him the full-on space cowboy pilot we've all wanted to see him as? Cast him as Hal Jordan in a Green Lantern movie. Uh, there's been talk of, of the next Green Lantern movie being a Green Lantern core movie and not focusing on maybe one central green lantern but the entire core of lanterns so even if you bring in a new character or uh, a new lantern character so say you're doing uh, john stewart or kyle uh, uh rayner or whoever no reason yeah. you couldn't have sorry yeah no reason you couldn't have hal jordan in there already as a lantern already as maybe a mentor figure or like an elder statesman lantern no reason yeah i'm not saying give him an entire movie but he's perfect. He would be perfect as Hal Jordan. He's done it before in uh, what's it, uh, uh, Emerald Knights, the animated movie. Mm-hmm. Um, just just go full out and let him put the suit on. Uh, I would love to see that. Okay, so I've never heard um, of this DC character of which you speak. So I looked him up. Arm mm-hmm. fall boy. So he literally reaches over, pulls his own arm off, and beats people with his own arm. Yep. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yep. Look, when Marvel had their whole snafu of firing James Gunn for sorry, when Disney fired James Gunn from doing Guardians Three because of some stupid old tweets, uh, once that contract was nullified, DC did not waste any time at all saying, "Hey, you want to do a movie? Whatever you want. You want to you want to do Suicide Squad? Cool. Who do you want? You want Arm Fall Off Man? Okay, sure, fine." <laughs> okay uh, so yeah he uh is, is, and again i pretty did behind the scenes conversations but uh we're we're Mar- where warner brothers is at now with the dc stuff is they're basically going movie to movie and they're backing whatever they can to make that movie as great as it can be 
Um, so they pretty much let James Gunn kind of run wild uh, with, um, hey, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad worked okay, but we know it could be better. Uh, and it's it's a property that you know coming off of Guardians of the Galaxy, perfect fit for James Gunn and his humor. Um, so yeah, as much as I am looking forward to seeing Nathan Fillion finally in a big budget superhero movie, something tells me Arm Fall Off Man's not going to be around for long in the Suicide Squad. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll find out. We will. I don't know. Fast forward uh, to five years when Sweet Arm Fall Off Man's getting his own movie. <laughs> well, going back to uh, going back to Fantastic, backtrack on us. Yeah, uh, I do see a, a, a searching here desperately for something. <laughs> Once again, I don't I don't look at things the same things that you do, so I don't see a lot of this stuff. But I uh, see one here. Somebody's posted uh, uh, for uh, a fan casting for uh, Human Torch, Johnny Storm, as Zac Efron. Okay. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I can see it. You know, I, I can see him doing it. I just don't know if he has the acting ability to to pull it off. Because yeah, you've got the you've got the the, the, the cocky, you know. Uh, Gen X, or that you know, you know, extreme sports kind of person well, he is. At this point, he'd be a Gen Zer. Well, yeah, but you know, but what a, you know, I, I just don't know. I, I can I'm actually physically being cast. I just don't know if he can. My that. thing with casting a Johnny Storm would be: I'd want you to go. And I don't mean get like an actual teenager young, but look at Tom Holland. Uh, who's in his 20s but can easily play a teenager and specifically look at Tom Holland because I want to live in a world where we can still get Spider-Man in the MCU in some way, shape, or form and Johnny Storm's best friend is Spider-Man. So I really want to see you know, again, in the perfect universe that I hope we live in where, where those characters can cross over someone who plays well off of Tom Holland is Spider-Man. Uh, I think that's who you screen test your Johnny Storm with. You just want to see them uh, hanging out on Statue of Liberty, just shooting the shit. You don't? I'm not saying it wouldn't be bad. I'm not saying it's bad. Just... And then I want to see Iceman hanging out with them so we can have the... Now that would be interesting. See, there you go. Make it happen, Marvel. Make it happen. <laughs> uh, I've got oh, one more fan cast. Uh, this is another one that's been making the round. Uh, for a very long time I don't know how plausible it is I'm not sure how old this actor is um, but when I say this it's, it's going to be one of those it makes so much sense why hasn't this happened yet uh, this actor is so amazing still uh, even that he, uh, I just watched uh, The Lighthouse a few months ago and the way this man can do manic is unparalleled uh, Willem Dafoe has never been the Joker, and that's fucked up. Granted, Green Goblin, okay, for sure, fine, whatever. Uh, we'll call it a test run. Uh, I would love, love to hear that for the Batman Two or whatever, whatever we call the sequel to the upcoming Batman movie. Cast Willem Dafoe as the Joker. He's already worked with uh, uh, Robert Pattinson in the White House. They work very well off each other. They're the only two people that entire fucking movie. Uh, just, just 
you you'd barely have to even do makeup. Just just do the red lips and the white face and the green hair on him. Bam, you've got Joker. Those eyes, that grimace, like he's the man was born to play this role. Uh, especially if you're going to bring him in as an older, uh, nothing left to lose Joker coming up against these still kind of what behind the years Batman that Robert Pattinson's Batman is. Tons of story uh, uh, possibilities there. Just do it. Um, I, I agree. I, I would love to see him as Joker. I think he can do it do it very well. However, uh, I don't think the, the, the infrastructure is there for us to, to, to get the story the Joker story he needs to be in, and that is the Killing Joke. I would love to see him be the Joker in the Killing Joke. Disagree. Really? Don't do the Killing Joke. The Killing no, no, Joke. No, no, is... no, 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 I'm saying, yeah, yeah, no, don't, don't do the Killing Joke because the, the the infrastructure of of Batman movies and characters isn't there to do that movie. You're absolutely right on that. Look. Killing Joke is a fantastic story, uh, but it is absolutely an Elseworlds what if story. Uh, because it, it exists in its own little bubble, and it's great in its own little bubble. And as soon as you try to connect it to anything else, it all falls apart. Uh, see the it, animated abomination from a couple years ago from more details. How, how does it? It didn't. It wasn't in its own little bubble. I mean, it, Batman it was, I, kills it, it, the Joker at the end of that story. No, he doesn't. They go off laughing together. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. I've read this story several times. I had a first printing of it. They go off laughing together at the end of it because he tells him a joke. Yeah, go it circles up. back around to a joke that uh, that that, that uh, the Joker started telling at the beginning of the book. Go the look. Only, the the go. only thing it gives us is Barbara Gordon paralyzed an oracle. Go back and look at the speech bubbles. Somebody yeah. stops laughing. No. Yep. That's a yep. jump. No. Nope. No, that's no. not a jump. That's the art. That's yeah. the the author telling you his intent of that story. Well, the author telling you his intent is one thing, but yeah. it does not happen in frame. Okay. Nothing okay. happens. If Joker is alive at the end of that book. Agree to disagree. You can't. You can't disagree. Joker is alive at the end of that, and he's alive in stories after that because it's canon standard DC at the time that it was published. At the time of, do you know how many times we've rebooted the DC universe since then, Scott? I don't care. It doesn't. If, if you're saying, if you're saying this is a little bubble, sure. If you mean its own little bubble was the entire DC universe in print at the time, sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's DC, well, dude. Give well, them five more years, they'll reboot the entire universe. Exactly. But yeah. if you're going to make that argument, then by that argument, every DC book ever published is just an Elseworlds story. What I mean by bubble is it's a great standalone story. Other than the Barbara Gordon incident, I don't think it gives you a lot to build an entire story off of, especially for a movie. No, it it doesn't. You have to have other movies to develop characters. It has to be like if you were to just do a a, a Batman franchise building movie series where you actually built the Bat family and everything, it would have to be, you know, five at its earliest. And it would maybe, yeah. maybe have to end the series. It it uh, relies very much on a history of these characters already existing, and we've never gotten that into Batman. Yes, I know. That's that's why I said at the beginning that they shouldn't make the movie because there's not enough on-screen Batman infrastructure to tell that story, right? But yeah, to say that it's its own little bubble of a story, and, and it was it was mainstream. <laughs> at the, the time that it was published. It's the same bubble on the Batmobile in that comic. It's, it's, that's the bubble it's under. 
I don't know what that means, but okay, sure. The Batmobile that <laughs> has the weird giant bubble canopy on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird Batmobile. Anyway, no, uh, Willem Dafoe as the Joker. Fine, I don't but care. Yeah, I, don't I, care what, I don't care what you what story you put around him. Um, Oops. Uh, Scott, you, you there? Yeah, my mic came okay, up. Okay. okay. I I'll got too that. animated on that conversation. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, DC movies are going to cherry pick bits and pieces from stories anyway. So I don't doubt at some point we'll see some variation of Killing Joke uh, adapted for screen. Not the I don't think we'll see the whole story lock, stock, and barrel because that's, you know, a hard R-rated Batman movie that I don't think audiences are quite ready for yet. Um but no, I could definitely see elements of that working their way in, especially if, if we end up getting to the point where we introduce Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, and whatnot down the line. Um, that was one thing about uh, Birds of Prey. Um, sorry. <clears throat> Birds of Prey or the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. So I got to use the full title. Uh, is, is that they didn't, okay. uh, there, there was no Oracle spoiler. Uh, and I was, I kept hoping at least at like the end, maybe when they're kind of a team, we'd get like a tease for Oracle, but no, no, we didn't. But I was going somewhere with that, and I forgot where I was going. Yeah, you got me on that one. I don't know. I was, I've not seen it. I know very little. I got nothing. Well, hey, it's available on digital uh, this week, so you can go check it out now. Since we can't go to the movie theaters. Nope. They are most decidedly closed. It hurts me. First, they closed the movie theaters, Scott. They did. Then Diamond canceled all the comic distributing, and they took away my comic books, Scott. They did. Then they pushed Ghostbusters back an entire year, Scott. I, I, I don't know how much more I can take. They did. But that's okay, because CBS All Access has Picard and Discovery <laughs> for you. If you know you want to just, just go ahead, ahead, make that full jump to Trekkie, man. Come on, it's okay. It's the, the water's, uh, the water's look, fine. Look, I, I started dipping my toe in. I think you've gotten me about uh, ankle deep uh, in Star Trek. Um, that's about where I'm comfortable at. Uh, I, I do need to finish Picard, um, but I've watched both seasons of Discovery. Uh, I wouldn't mind watching season two again. Yeah, season two is my my go to. If I if I go back to season straight to the mirror universe stuff yeah um, but uh but yeah no i i don't want to get into track but def, def definitely looking forward to a pike series and I, I hope it happens god i hope it happens yeah like we said in our uh, uh we did a whole episode on the state of star trek and we both are really impatiently waiting for our captain pike <laughs> show to come out so get on it cbs so. We got nothing else to do right now, guys. You need some writers? We'll write the show, CBS, if you're listening. Uh, we work cheap. Uh, you can reach us at iHeartStamos at gmail.com. I don't know. I don't know if I trust myself to write Trek. I'll write it with you. It's okay. All right. We'll do it together. <laughs> you can be the hardcore nerd, and I'll be the one who you have to explain stuff to, so I can be the filter through which you write the show. Cool. So once I'm on page three of nothing but techno babble, you can gently just just take the mm-hmm. pen out of yeah. my hand. Yeah, uh, Scott. No, you get uh, you get a quarter page every twenty pages of techno babble. <laughs> that's that's all you get. 
Use it sparingly. <laughs> That's not enough. <laughs> Uh, uh, that I believe is our week. But um, hit us up. Tell us what characters from the expanded universe you want to see make the jump to live action for Star Wars. Tell us what fan casting uh, we didn't talk about that you want to see. Uh, what else we talk about? Are you going to buy Predator Hunting Grounds? And if so, send us those gamer tags. Because um, if you hate the show, you can come uh, kill us as the Predator. And wouldn't that be great stress release for everybody? I don't know. I forgot. Okay. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. Um, Coxie, any sign off? I don't think so. All right, then. Thanks for listening.